I hope that blessed you as much as it blessed me. Uh, my name's Aaron, as I said, if you've uh, joined us a little bit uh, after time, uh, I'm one of the elders here and I'm going to be preaching uh, the next message in our One True God series. We're basically going to spend the next uh, 10 weeks or now uh, slightly less than that looking at the One True God. And so we're going to spend five weeks looking at uh, who God is, only God is uh, like this. And then we're going to spend five weeks saying that God is like this and we should reflect that. And so uh, this morning, uh, we're sort of moving into the second of that uh, second week of that in, in earnest. Uh, but before we begin, I want to tell you a little story uh, about a time when uh, my wife, uh, Megan, and I were dating. And uh, Megan was at university and she was uh, studying geography and they'd gone on a, a trip to Berlin to uh, do something geography related. I don't know, walk around with those meter stick um, wheels or something. Um, but I sort of being the, you know, wanting to impress or uh, sort of <clears throat> win her affections some more, decided I, I would offer to pick her up from the airport. It would save a job for her parents or save a job for her for getting back. Uh, and so I borrowed the the car that belonged to my uh, brother-in-law and sister and went to pick uh, Megan up. And I picked her up from the airport and it was great. And, you know, it's wonderful. We hadn't seen each other for a week and uh, hadn't really talked because she'd been in another country. And so we got time in the car to chat. Uh, and we actually got extra time because uh, I took the wrong turn off of a roundabout and went down onto uh, the wrong road. And actually, we spent an hour waiting to go one junction in order to turn around and come back up to where we should have been. Um, but that wasn't the best part of the story. The best part was because we'd spent so long in traffic, um, moving along at a snail's pace, the fuel uh, amount that we had began to uh, drift dangerously closer to the the E, the empty. And... Uh, as we were we were going along, we were getting we eventually got back to the right place, and we were getting closer and closer to uh, Harrow, where Megan lived with her parents. And uh, I was willing the diesel in the car to last. Uh, I was willing it to last in order for us to get back um, because she had just travelled. She was tired. I didn't want to have to stop for to, to fill up and then uh, drop her off. Uh, so in desperation, I was willing it as hard as I possibly could, much like this uh, stick man trying to bend the dial. Uh, but as you can imagine, what happened was about two miles from Megan's home, we ran out of uh, fuel, which is not a good thing to do in a diesel uh, if you're not aware of that. And it's not a good thing to do if it's not your car and you've <laughs> borrowed it from your brother-in-law and sister. Um, and so eventually... I think Megan's dad came and towed us and my uncle, who's a mechanic, came and helped me out a bit. Um, but I wonder if you've ever experienced something like that, where you've been in a situation where <clears throat> you need something to happen or you need to draw on some resources and they're just not there. I don't know if uh, if you've ever run out of petrol or, uh, as I've done in a separate story that's, <laughs> that's quite funny, put the wrong petrol <laughs> in a car don't lend me your car is the moral of the story. Um, but we can all encounter moments like that, can't we, where we overpromise and uh, to our shame and to our disappointment are going to under deliver. We, uh, particularly if you've got a, a personality type like mine, you agree to things and say, yes, oh, that sounds great. And you're captured by the idea of it. And then actually 
you can sort of think, oh no, how am I actually gonna fit that in the time that I've got? So uh, you have to be aware of these things. But have you ever, I don't know if you've experienced something like that, but uh, maybe it's not, uh, maybe it's alien to you and you only ever commit to things when you can do them. But we can do that, can't we, with physical resources or with our time, we can say, yeah, I can do that thing for you. And then actually, when it comes to time to do it, we, there's not enough hours in the day. Or we can say, oh yeah, I, of course I can lend you that. And then actually we don't have the resources. Well, today and for this week coming up, our key concept in this uh, series of one, the one true God is this, that only God is uncreated and has no needs. Only God is uncreated and has no needs. The psalmist says this in Psalm 90 verse two, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Jen Wilkin puts it like this, creating and sustaining all things, he is himself created and sustained by none. For all eternity, he is perfectly provided for in and of himself, needless of any aid, unflagging in strength, never hungry or thirsty, experiencing no lack. J.I. Packer puts it like this. Children sometimes ask, who made God? I don't think it's just children, but children sometimes ask, who made God? The clearest answer is he never needed to be made because he was always there. This morning, we're going to look at, we continue to look at the one true God and see how God's self-existence and his self-sufficiency are the source of great freedom and hope for us. So first of all, we're going to look at the fact that only God is uncreated. And I said this a few weeks ago in uh, sort of the introduction to this series, that if you created uh, a, sort of a chart with all of the things that exist, you would have God on one side as the un only uncreated, and then everything else that exists has been created. Uh, in Genesis 1, it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Again, in the Psalms, it says in the Psalm 102, uh, verse 25, of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. Nobody and nothing made God. Nothing predates him, nothing, uh, he has no source or origin. He exists independent of any course. I don't know if you've ever seen the show, Who Do You Think You Are? Or if you've ever been requested to input your details or you've requested others to input your details to ancestry.com. But some people love this, don't they? They, they find great joy in looking back at where, where their origins are, or where they come from and looking at the history of their family tree. I think the best one of those I saw was uh, a guy called Danny Dyer, who's a bit sort of core blimey, was descended from royalty uh, way back when, but uh, you can go and check that episode out. Uh, but some people love this. They're really interested in the history of their family and how that connects in with other families in the, in the regions that they were from. And, and, and it can be interesting. It can be, it can be uh, very helpful in understanding, okay, this is you know, the sort of the people that I come from. Uh, this is my, my ancestry, my history. I also think it can be unhelpful if you get too tied into it and too uh, infatuated with this is who, you know, this is my lineage and those sorts of things. But we, we live in a time actually where there's a strange sort of uh, 
we, we live with people who are obsessed with the past and that defi- almost let it define them that because my ancestor was this, that's sort of defines me. And then there's other people who have no interest in the past. They're, it's irrelevant. It, actually, we need to honour the past and learn from it. And that's particularly true in the church, that we can look back at the history of the church and say, you know, there's things that people got rights and we can drift away from those. But actually, we need to look at that and that can be helpful for us. But I wonder if you've ever considered, if you've ever looked at those things, if you've ever considered this, you had no choice in your creation. Your existence is dependent upon other human beings. That's the way family trees work. There's two people and they come together and create a new life. You had no choice in your existence. And maybe you can trace back your origin many generations. Maybe you've done one of these DNA tests to see what you, where you're descended from and you've you know, surprisingly found something uh, unusual uh, from, that you weren't expecting in your DNA results. But whatever that may be, all human beings are descendants. All human beings are descendants from one generation to the next. God is transcendent. Human beings are descendants. God is transcendent. He is of a different order. He is other than. He is divine. He is uncreated. He is the one who creates, the one who creation points to. As we looked at a few weeks ago in Romans 1, creation, God has revealed himself through creation. He has no origin because he is the origin of all that is created. And as I said, if we Look, created a list of everything that was, exists, you would have God uncreated and everything else created. Only God is self-existent. He's the only one. Everything else relies on him for its existence. God is the only true creator, which is something that we'll uh, talk about more in midweek groups. But in essence, all creation that we do as human beings or all creation that happens in a, as a secondary thing is really the rearrangement of things that God has created. A painting is the rearrangement of colours that God has created. As creations made in God's image, we reflect that creative aspect of our creator. But when we do create, it often leaves us drained. We we often say we've put our heart and soul into something. We've, we've expended energy. We've said, oh, I've poured myself into this. God creates and owns, and we have been made stewards of creation. God owns it, but he's entrusted, us to manage, entrusted it to us to manage, manage it. God specialises in bringing about something from nothing, and that should be a great source of hope for us is there a situation in your life where you need something to happen and it looks like there's no hope god is the one who specializes in bringing something from nothing we can try to uh, manipulate and maneuver and manufacture uh, solutions to things but sometimes it requires a move of god Because God sustains all, we could think, is, does he get tired? As I said, when we create, when we do things, we, we get fatigued, we get worn out. But God is self-sufficient. 
Only God is uncreated and only God has no needs. Paul in his uh, sermon in Athens says this, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. That's Acts 17 verses 24 and 25. God has no need. He exists independent of any cause and is reliant on nothing and no one to sustain him. He needs nothing to sustain his existence or to provide for his contentment. The Father, Son and Holy Spirit exist in perfect relationship of giving and receiving love. God doesn't need anything or anyone, including me and you. He has created the heavens and the earth, not to fulfill a need, but from an overflow of who he is. He has no need, but everything needs him. In those verses that are on the screen, it says there, he's not served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. God has no needs. Colossians 1 says this, For by him, this is speaking of Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things hold together. He sustains everything that has been created. The reason the, the universe doesn't blink out of existence in the next moment is because God sustains it. We cannot sustain ourselves. My uh, son is 18 months old and he's just sort of kind of managing to feed himself with a spoon, uh, various different meals. He fed himself some uh, porridge this morning. Uh, it required <laughs> a, a large amount of cleanup, but he managed to, to sort of feed himself but we cannot sustain ourselves. Even the act of feeding ourselves, he needed someone to provide uh, the porridge for him, for him to be able to spoon it into his mouth. But when you think of a baby, a baby, human babies are useless. <laughs> uh, if I can say that and you understand my vernacular, they're completely dependent on their mother or milk being provided for them to sustain them. We cannot sustain ourselves. A number of years ago, I I spent a day fasting and uh, I then tried to play football in the evening, uh, having still remained on my fast, and uh, it didn't go well. Um, I could feel my body was out of sync with my mind. My mind wasn't particularly sharp, um, but I could feel like, oh, I'm going to do this now. And then a few seconds later, my body would, would react. There was a lag that had occurred. We cannot sustain ourselves and we we cannot sustain each other. I don't know if you know uh, what film this is from. This is from a film called Jerry Maguire. It's a very famous uh, clip where there's a a famous romantic line in the film where after sort of a bit of toing and froing in their relationship, Jerry uh, Maguire goes to his uh, ex-fiance and rekindles their, their love and says this to her, you complete me. You complete me. 
Now, that sounds great, doesn't it? But that's a crushing weight to put on someone. What a huge burden to place on somebody else's shoulders. You, in and of ourselves, we know we lack resources, we can't sustain ourselves, we can't keep going ourselves, and yet we can look to someone else and say, you, you, know, you complete me. When we look to someone else who can't sustain themselves to try and sustain us, it's a crushing weight to put on someone's shoulders. God is self-sufficient. He has no needs because no other can provide for him. He is not fatigued. His resources don't run out. And that is why we can rely on God. His resources don't run out. He's not simply a God of good intentions, unable to follow through. Oh yeah, I can do that for you. I, I, can, I can be there for you. And then he's unable to follow through. He is a God of infinite resources. Which is why when Paul writes to the Philippians, he can say, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. His resources are infinite. When we talked in the, sort of two weeks ago, we said that these attributes of God, these aspects of God's character, they modify one another. When we look at them together, they, they enhance and illuminate one another. And last week, Andy spoke about the infinite nature of God. God is self-sufficient. His sufficiency is infinite. His resources are infinite. Only God is uncreated and has no needs. We are created and have many needs. We have many needs. I don't know if you can see this clearly. Uh, there you go, that's better. <clears throat> this is a thing, I, I don't wholly subscribe to it. Uh, and there's sort of, if you look it up, there's some critique of it. But generally speaking, this is a, a good assessment of uh, listing out the needs of a human being. This is a thing called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And if you can see there, there's biological and physiological needs, food, sleep, water, those kinds of things. Then there's, there's needs that are in the, sort of the safety aspect. We need security, we need somewhere to live, we need money or finances to, to operate within the world. And then we need friendship and intimacy and family connections and, and sort of interaction with other human beings. And then there's this, this aspect of like, uh, these are all psychological needs, this middle section, respect and status and recognition and the, the sort of strength to be able to, to meet the demands of the day. And then finally, self-actualization, uh, the sort of meeting one's full potential. Now, the, this is saying if you fulfill all of these things, like that's the sort of peak of human uh, satisfaction, that you not only are your basic needs met, not only are you safe and secure, not only do you have love and belong uh, to a group and have sort of connections with other human beings. Not only do you have respect and status within that sort of love and uh, belonging and community, but actually you are achieving the very best that you possibly could. Now, whether you subscribe completely to this or not, you could not meet all of those needs yourself. No one could meet all of those needs themselves. I am... Um, <clears throat> saw a video a while ago where a guy, uh, he made from scratch uh, a Kentucky Fried Chicken uh, chicken burger. He grew the wheat, he harvested it, he milled it, he made the bread bun, he milked the cow, 
got the cheese. He did all of these things for himself. And it was terrible. <laughs> he said the flavor of it was awful. It wasn't good. He reared the chicken, all of those sorts of things. But even in attempting to do something as simple as that, could you, can you create a chicken burger for yourself? We can't meet our needs by ourselves. We are created with a need for God and a need for each other. We're created with a need for God. We need that relationship with God. It's, the, it's why in every community throughout history, there's been a, a, there's a, a turning to something. There's a turning to something. There's a searching for meaning or satisfaction in a way that the, the world around us can't fulfill. We're created with a need for God and a need for each other. When God creates Adam in the garden, Adam is there, God is there, and yet God looks at him and says, it's not good for man to be alone. Even in paradise, it's not good for man to be alone. Human beings require companionship. And so it's essential for our own health and our growth that we recognise this that we kill off, as Jen Wilkin calls it, the myth of human self-sufficiency. And this demonstrates itself in two ways. The lies and the fruit of self-sufficiency are this. The first lie is that I don't need God. And this results in a prayerless life. Uh, Alex Steed, who uh, is a member of the church here, who's preached a few times, uh, he says, you can tell how much you care about something by how much you pray about it. I think that's true. You can also tell how reliant on God you are by how much you pray about something. Are you, if you're a parent, are you praying for your children to come to know him? Or are you just reliant on the fact that your explanations of stuff will be good enough? We can cause us, if we don't think we don't need God, we think we're self-sufficient. We can become forgetful of all that God has done for us in the past. We can become angry and bitter when we face trials and difficult times rather than viewing those things as <clears throat> uh, sort of God's pattern and way of shaping us to produce holiness in our life when we face trials we can view them as outrageous injustices that we aren't able to meet the needs or meet the demands of what's going on and we can see it in a lack of conviction for personal sin. I don't need God. I can just sort of brush that under the carpet and it will be dealt with. It doesn't need to be dealt with. And then we can see there's a, a sense in self-sufficiency where we say, I don't need other Christians. I don't need the church. And that's one of the markers of that is that we begin to avoid Christian community. We say, I can do this faith journey on my own. The Bible is very clear. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We can begin to hide, we can begin to, to not present the, the true state of ourselves when we are in community. How are, how are you? How are things going? Yeah, everything's okay, it's fine. Yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm doing well. And then behind closed doors, the reality is far from that. We've said many times uh, as a church, we don't wanna be a place where people feel they have to hide where people feel they can't be genuine and authentic. Because if we're not authentic with each other, we can't support one another. To the extent where we've said when we were meeting in person, if you crawl through the door, you know, and you've made it, 
that's a win. If someone says, how are you doing? And you say, I'm here, that is a win. When we think that we are self-sufficient, we can begin to have a lack of accountability. No one can tell me what to do. No one can challenge me on my sort of opinions or patterns of behavior. And that comes again with a lack of humility that we think we know best. We think that we have the answers. And ultimately that leads to exhaustion. We can't do it all ourselves. For some of us, this will be more difficult to hear. And for others, we're going, I really know this already. But we, you cannot do it yourself. You need God and you need your brothers and sisters in the church. Isaiah 40 is an often uh, quoted uh, passage of scripture towards the end where it says this, even youths grow, shall grow faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is an often quoted passage of scripture. The two verses before it, the verses, all the verses before it are good, but the two verses before it are particularly helpful because I think some people read that and they think, okay, well, what does it mean to wait on the Lord and how do I renew my strength? Does that just mean I spend some time sitting in silence and then I muster up some extra effort and go, I can go again. And then they, you stand up to walk a few more steps and then collapse again, exhausted. This is what the two verses before it says saying, <clears throat> have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Because even youths grow faint and weary and young men fall exhausted. It's seeking strength from God. It's not, the waiting on the Lord is seeking strength from God who never grows weary, who never grows faint, whose resources are unmatched, are inexhaustible. In the My King, That's My King video or talk, the guy says, no far-seeing, uh, SM Lockridge says, no far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. His, his resources are unexhaustible, inexhaustible. We need God. Even the young, fit and healthy among us, as well as the rest of us, need God. He gives power to the faint and to those who have no strength. He increases might doesn't say in those verses that he gives power to the proud and self-sufficient. He doesn't give power to those who are managing to almost do it all by themselves and then he just tips them over the edge. He gives power and strength to the weak and the faint. And that's why there's a requirement for humility. We've said this a number of times, we'll continue to say it. There's a requirement for humility when we come before God. Even in what we're saying in this series, there's a, there's, there needs to be an aspect of humility where we're going, we, we're trying to express something that we can't, we know we can't fully express. 
there's always enough when God is involved. Heidi and Roland Baker tell a story uh, in their, one of their books called There Is Always Enough, uh, of an incident where they had a number of children in their home and they had, I think, one chicken uh, to feed them. I think it was a chicken. Basically, they had one portion of food to feed maybe eight people and they had multiples there. And Heidi Baker tells the story as as she cut the chicken, the piece of meat, she put a slice on the plate. Okay, you that's yours. Okay, okay, now I'll cut a piece for you. Okay, cut a piece for you. And she said she just kept cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting until everyone had eaten. God supernaturally multiplied what was there. We see this in the Bible when Jesus uh, feeds the 5,000 with a small boy's lunch and there's leftovers. God is the only one who can be relied on to fulfill his promises. If he's called you to do something, he will enable it to happen. He will resource it to happen, which is why people should be much less cavalier with saying God has called me to do X, Y or Z. Because then when it doesn't happen, you're making God out to be a liar. God will enable it to happen. He will resource it to happen. God is self-existent. He is uncreated, but he creates and sustains all. The greatest need that we have has been met through a wonderful act of creation. God can create life where there is none. God specialises in bringing something from nothing. This should be a source of great hope and freedom for us, because this is what he does in the gospel. Ephesians 2 says this, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. No life, dead, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the sin, uh, the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are not sufficient to save ourselves. But God has provided strength and power for the weak. You can't get much weaker than dead. If you ever get the chance to have a fight with a dead person, they will not be able to defend themselves. Dead people have no strength, but God has made us alive and given us strength. He's made that available. We aren't sufficient in ourselves for our salvation. God has provided from his infinite resource. We're going to close now and I want to 
invite you to respond in one of two ways. Uh, one is a general response that we're going to have throughout this series, which is a, a desire for an increased knowledge of God, an increased depth of relationship with God. And this is not uh, in the same way, perhaps uh, a similar way to how Andy asked you to respond last time. Um, <clears throat> if you feel you want to pray into that again, there's an opportunity for that to, to have prayer for that. But particularly this morning, I want to challenge you and invite you to uh, respond for prayer if you know that you have a tendency to try and be self-sufficient. Now we can do that spiritually or we can do that practically. We can, we can say, I, I don't need anyone's help. I can do it all myself. And then we get exhausted. And then we're upset that no one has helped us. And there's those who can be self-sufficient in that they don't like receiving help. I don't want to be a bother to anyone. You need other people. It's not a bother to allow people to assist you and help you. For some people, they love that. They love to be able to help out and assist. And we can be, try and be self-sufficient spiritually. I can, I can, if I just work a bit harder, if I just try a bit harder, I can beat that habitual sin. I can beat that thing that keeps dogging me. If I just put in a bit more effort, I can be holy. Actually, we need to release that and allow God's Holy Spirit to come and change us. So those are the two uh, ways to respond, really. If you want to respond for an increased knowledge of God, then you can do that. You can type in the, in the uh, chat window, prayer. Uh, if you know that you are someone who has the, the challenge of always wanting to be self-sufficient, then you can type prayer in the chat window as well. And you'll be put into a, a breakout room and some people who want to pray with you uh, and are happy to do so. So I'm going to pray generally for all of us uh, to give you a chance to type in uh, to the, the chat window and then uh, we'll close the meeting. <clears throat> Father God, I thank you that you are uncreated, that you are of a different order to us. You are completely unique in all that exists. And I thank you for the fact that you did create, you did make the world. You are self-existent, but you chose to create us. And we have you to depend on for our existence, that, that every breath in our lungs, every beat of our hearts is a gift from you. I want to thank you for that, Lord. Help us to remember that and to not uh, take it for granted, but to live in the light of that. And Lord, we thank you that you are self-sufficient, that you aren't needy. You're not there waiting for us to, to fulfill some need for you. You are completely satisfied and you provide satisfaction. You resource your children. So I ask, Lord, that, that you would, uh, in situations where there's uh, nothing and something needs to happen where all hope seems to be lost, that you would create a spark of hope, that you would provide from your infinite resource. Whether that's for a job or someone's salvation or uh, a relationship breakdown, that you would provide from your infinite resource. I pray you would bless us, you would teach us to not be self-sufficient, but to rely on you and to rely on those you've placed us in community with. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.